0: Hitting odd data podcast in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the odd data podcast where normal is not my specialty. I am your host, as always, the scrambling to throw things together adam higgins the odd dad out and this is normally the show where i share my twisted little ramblings and rants and whatnot i make fun of some news and i tell you about a podcast you should listen to well normally today i am diving into my promised monthly guests and i think i'm gonna keep them at the last show of the month i think just for i don't know reasons but this month, I have Chris Osborne from Play Comics and the Meddling Kids podcast. We get into his shows. We talk about how we kind of met. In, we, Of course, because me, we get off on some tangents. We talk restaurant stuff. We talk about the difficulties of acquiring guests and confidence and things like that in podcasting. We're all over the place. And special bonus. If you are a Patreon supporter, I will also be releasing all of these monthly uh, interview guest uh, spots early to patrons with extended cuts, including the pre-show and post-show chat fun jazz stuff. So if you want to get all that extra stuff, I think there's almost 20 minutes of extra stuff attached to this one in the Patreon support structure. So check it out uh, patreon.com slash out yeah i realize i'm shilling at the beginning of the show but i don't do it anywhere else so without further ado on with the show <laughs> today i am talking to this other crazy bastard who is smart smart stupid crazy whatever the fuck enough to uh be willing to come on this show i don't know why people are saying yes But I have Chris from Play Comics, another show that I have talked about in the past because he's awesome and he's a nerd and I'm a nerd and he was crazy, stupid, whatever the hell, enough to uh, invite me on his show.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much true. Because, I mean, what was it? Like, you kept commenting on pictures and I said, hey, you want to come on?
0: Yeah, that that was the gist of it. That that was pretty much how we started talking to each other. Yep. Because... Cause you, it was nerdy shit, and like, oh look, comics and and games and shit. It was just kind of that. That was the the simplest thing of, hey, I like your thing in this common group that we're both part of, and ta da! <laughs> it, it's it's always funny to me how like I've connected with different podcasters and different people because. Uh, it just the sheer, like the different ways that people can come together and it, it feels very sunshine somebody, but the, the way that different, that I've connected with different people is kind of funny because it's, it, it is something as simple as, as that of, I, I liked your stuff in this podcasting group. And the next thing you know, we're chatting on a relatively regular basis and I'm on your show and flexing my them a little bit. and. Now you're here, dragging you into the depths of hell that is this show.
1: (laughs) I like this show, though, so it's okay.
0: Again, depths of hell.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, granted, most of the people I get on my show are a lot of, hey, I see you like this stuff, too. Do you want to come on? I mean, I got Paul Chomo because he popped up and one day said, hey, if you ever need a guest for your show, I'd like to come on.
0: Yeah, Paul will volunteer to be on anybody's show. And realistically, I would too if I had more time. I honestly would probably do a lot more guest spots if I had more time and I had a a more patient wife. Because she's not too fond of me spending a lot of time... Back here in in studio land recording on my day off when it should be getting chores and shit done. So, So you
1: know what we need to do then is get her on my show too. And then you guys are spending time together while you're on my show.
0: If there was a comic for Earthbound, you'd be all right. (laughs) She is a pro on that game. We will try to make something
1: happen. That's what bonus episodes are for. You can do whatever the fuck you want.
0: Yep. But... So we've been rambling because that's what I do. Besides the fact that I've talked about your show before, maybe they didn't, maybe whatever person, because come on, let's be honest. If you're here, you know, who else is listening? Okay, Paul is listening. But for those of of you, you right there, you one other person listening, uh, Chris, tell the person out there about your show, or I guess shows, because I forgot, you do too. You do have two shows, and I always I always hang up on Play Comics because that's the one that I was introduced to, and then you started doing Meddling Kids. But do your spiel for the listener out there.
1: So, Play Comics is a show where I look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. The idea is pretty much that I grew up comics adjacent, playing the video games and watching the cartoons and stuff, but I never really read the comics. So this is an excuse for me to go back and see how much of what I learned from doing all this related stuff is actually accurate to the comics and an excuse to just talk to cool people. Like, um, as we're recording this today, I released an episode with Chris Baker, who worked for Marvel in their games division, and we talked about Wolverine Adamantium's rage. Hmm. And, I mean, I have no excuse to talk to these people. I've gotten to talk to half the hosts of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men just because I popped up and said, hey, I like X-Men. I'm doing this episode. Obviously, you like X-Men. Do you want to come on my show? And for some reason, Miles said yes. Jay is
0: apparently being a holdout.
1: Jay doesn't play games. And, I mean, (laughs) nobody's perfect. Jay is an amazing person, and if I can find an excuse to get him on the show, I'm going to do it. And, I mean, I even tried to pitch Speed Racer to make it happen, and Jay's just like, yeah, I don't play games. Sorry. So I'm going to hold out for the Speed Racer movie, because at least then, there's the movie.
0: Yeah. Hey,
1: the movie was good. The movie looked good. I mean, what were you expecting, though? I was expecting a live-action episode of Speed Racer, and that's pretty much what we got. Plus, it came out while I was in college, and Rock Hill at the time had just put in a curfew for kids in high school. And so, we went to a late enough showing to where it was me, my wife, and maybe four other people in the entire theater opening weekend.
0: That's always fun when you get to see something you want to see and there's not a million other fucking people there. I actually had the same experience with I think it was with me and my wife. It was like a horror movie though. And we were like watching it on at like 10 in the morning. I think it was one of the insidious movies. And we watched it like 10 o'clock in the morning on a Friday and like five people in the theater because who the hell is watching a horror movie at You know, it was like first showing in that theater of the day. It's like it's a horror movie on a Friday. It's ten in the morning. Nobody's watching this right now except us, because we have kids and this is when we can get a babysitter.
1: (laughs) I wish I could pull that off, but I have to work during the day and I just my father in law is my boss now, so I mean I can't say I'm taking the day off to play Mario Kart anymore.
0: Yeah. That complicates things. Like suddenly it's like, Oh, I'm taking a day off. And in in today's world, and you suddenly like you make some stupid mistake. Like, Oh man, I just, I watched this movie. It was great. Thought you were sick. (laughs) And especially when it's the father-in-law situation, because now, you know, your wife can't tell, you know, if she's got that relationship with her dad, like my wife tells her dad, everything. So if she stubs her toe, her dad knows about it. He stubs his toe. She knows about it. So, if I had to work for him, that would just, like, there's there's no hiding shit.
1: Most of the time, I don't mind it. It's just little incidental moments like that where, like, my old boss, I could have legitimately said, I'm taking the day off to play Mario Kart, and I never take days off, so he'd be fine with it. Like, if I wanted to do that now, I would just go up to him and say, hey, I want to take Friday off. And I wouldn't tell him why or anything. And, you know, I never take days off, so he'd probably let me have it. But the thing I'm the most disappointed about with that is that RumiCon happened last April and it was a bunch of people from the Karen and Ellen letters just happened to come where I live to Charleston. And so I took um, Friday, I took that Friday off and I made sure to take that Saturday off because it was inventory weekend. And I don't know if they made me use hours for that or not, because I never take days off and I didn't care but I'm never going to be able to skip inventory ever again like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Part of being in a position of authority. It was like, well, fuck now I can't skip that day. I can't be off that day. It was my whole being a restaurant manager for so many years. The, it was like, I, and I was one of those people. I had my own way of doing things. And then new bosses come in and say, no, do it like this. I'm like, but I don't know how to do it like that. (laughs) I've been doing it. I've got this system in my head for, for, for years and years and years and years and years, and you're going to change the system. And now I don't know how to do it that way. You suck. (laughs) All managers had to stay late on inventory night, had to stay after closing to inventory, the whole store and all the managers had to show up for this. And it was just a pain in the ass. (laughs) be like two in the morning and everybody's sitting there having to count like celery and onion and weigh out onions and, and shit like that and like oh fuck you guys
1: first restaurant i worked in um one of the owners was great he owned another restaurant downtown the other owners were just they were like the i think it'd be cool to own a restaurant kind of people
0: yeah that's not good motivation
1: it was mostly okay because they had the other guy to kind of keep them in check But one of the things they did was they went and they made the inventory sheets. And so, especially with fish, they would come in and whatever it said on the tag was what they would put on the inventory sheet. So we had like 37 different kinds of salmon on there. I mean, down to like Alaskan salmon versus Alaskan, but it was abbreviated AK salmon were two separate things. And it took us forever to try to convince them to just have salmon, let it be done. It doesn't matter what it is. Cause we're going to be serving it the same way anyway.
0: Yeah. Like this is salmon. That's cod. Those are two things. Alaskan salmon. Now, if you're, if you've got like wild caught salmon and you've got farm raised salmon, maybe. Yeah. But, that makes sense. Does the menu, does the menu know that? No, nope. So, In a grocery store, that matters. In a restaurant, probably not. I don't think you're selling them differently.
1: Things that we had just for specials, they had on the inventory sheet.
0: Yeah. I mean, technically, you have to mark them. Yeah, I guess. But
1: it was weird. It also took us forever to convince them to buy us a good can opener. They had one of the cheapos from the grocery store. And we must have broken that thing like 10 times before they got one of the ones made for boats that mounts onto the table.
0: Yeah. In all of my experience, a hand can opener that you get at like a grocery store is illegal. (laughs) That it's a violation of the health code because you can't clean them properly. Supposed to have a like counter mounted, the big like crank it around like said like on a boat where it's like a big ass handle and you slam it down and you just like because you're opening those number ten of whatever and you've got to sit there and crank this thing like you're you're reeling in a friggin anchor. I'm used to those. I've never been in a restaurant environment where I didn't have one of those. I even had one of those when I was in like a little concession stand on a beach because that was the health code. You couldn't have like a, a little hand crank thing. You had to have the big counter thing because you could take it apart and clean the blade and the gears and all the things. Cause you, they always said the, for one of the first things that uh health inspector would look at is your can opener. Because if your can opener is dirty, everything that it touches is contaminated.
1: See, we never heard anything about that over here and they would always have like extra hand can openers in culinary school. And there was one in the kit we had to buy from the school. So I don't, maybe it's just a difference there and where we live or maybe my people just didn't care. It is Mm -hmm. restaurants.
0: Yeah. Arizona and Texas and Southwest and versus, you know, often in your neck of the woods. It's you never know. I, I, the differences in the health codes when I moved back to Arizona versus when I lived in Texas where the liquor license policies and things in Texas and the fact like when I came out here, when I was working in restaurants here, the ownership is in Texas and they were trying to institute policies that were based in the laws and everything in Texas. In Texas, you can walk into a restaurant if they sell beer, you can Buy a beer as long as it's closed and bagged. You can buy like walk into pick a restaurant that would sell like bottled beer, like a Dave and Busters or whatever. I don't know if they have bottled beer or Dave and Busters, but if they had a bottled beer, Dave and Busters, you could walk in, buy a bottled beer, and walk out the door with it as long as it was closed. In Arizona, that's straight up illegal. You cannot walk into a restaurant, purchase a beer, and leave with it at all. And you can't even open your own beer here. It has to be served to you, opened. You know, you you have to finish it or you have to leave it behind. You can't walk out the door with it. But wine, on the other hand, if you buy a bottle of wine, you have to take a drink from it. But then they can recork it and you can leave with it. But it has to have been opened and consumed from before you can leave with it. But those are the only like, all these other weird rules. But you know, the ownership in Texas didn't understand the differences and they were trying, they were like teaching people where they would send their trainers out. And it's like, oh, when they, you have someone have a beer, then you can do this and you have to do it. It's like, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, that's your rules here. That's going to get us shut down. <laughs> like they're going to send in a, a sting operation and we're going to get shut down because you just let that guy walk out with a beer.
1: See, I have no idea what the law is in South Carolina on that, but the first restaurant I worked at, the guy opened it with everything that the previous restaurant had left behind, including, like, cases and cases of Newcastle. And so they were nice. They decided everybody could have a shift drink at the end of their shift, and they could have two if they were working a double, which I'm sure is wonderfully illegal all over the place, too. But Wow. Their rule for me was I could have as many as I wanted as long as it was Newcastle because they just wanted to get rid of it.
0: We've got all this Newcastle. Drink all the Newcastle you want.
1: (laughs) And I mean, granted, I would never do more than two anyway, which is partly why they go ahead and let me do that. But coming off of that wonderful adult theme We also have, I also do meddling kids with my wife, Kaylee, which is very family friendly and will not go into alcohol rants ever.
0: Yeah. But you're, you know, you're talking about Scooby-Doo and stuff. And so, you know, Scooby-Doo has a particular uh, image when it comes to paraphernalia.
1: (laughs) It does. And it doesn't officially, everybody who worked on it says, no, of course not. It's not about that at all. There's nothing ever says that Shaggy is a pothead, but he sure does act like it, which is even funnier because eventually Casey Kasem told them that if he was going to keep doing the voice, they had to make Shaggy a vegetarian. Yeah,
0: I get, because I haven't listened to meddling kids and I'm kind of in the same position with you now that I was with Derek over, uh, rolling misadventures that I'd listened to him on Sometimes Geek, and I knew about Rolling Misadventures, but I hadn't listened to it. So I knew, I I listened to play comics, but I don't listen to meddling kids, and don't shoot me. I'm just not a huge fan of Scooby-Doo.
1: That's fine. I mean, nobody can like everything.
0: Yeah, but if you don't like everything, then everybody hates you. Think about how hard it's got to be for
1: kids these days, though, because they have everything we grew up on as this is a thing you have to watch and they can watch it cause it's available. But then there's all of the things that kept coming around since we grew up that
0: they have to watch. No, they don't. They don't have to watch any of that shit. None of it's any good.
1: Well, I know that's what we say, but I'm sure our parents would say the same thing about stuff that we watch and love.
0: Yeah, but I watched all that shit too. It was different then, though. I grew up watching Rocky and Bullwinkle and, and, and I love Lucy, and at the same time watching Animaniacs, and the fact that my wife—I I give her shit about this to no end. My wife did not watch Sesame Street, and to this day does not like Sesame Street. Is your wife a human? Sometimes I wonder. She was very sheltered. She read a lot. It's Sesame Street. I I know, and we have to this day have arguments over Sesame street, because I will make the boys watch Sesame street. They enjoy a lot of Sesame street as a good parent does. Now I understand. I fully understand the mindset and the idea and the, the, the image of Mr. Rogers as kind of creepy. If you look at it that way, you can totally look at Mr. Rogers through a creeper filter. I understand that. Don't be dumb. Mr. Rogers was like the most pure human being ever in the history of the world. And if you ever actually watch the show, you understand. That. If you grew up watching Mr. Rogers, you understand that. My wife looks at Mr. Rogers through the creeper filter. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. Mr. Rogers was like the greatest human being ever to live. I grew up watching Mister Rogers and Sesame Street, and and watching Bob Ross and the Joy of Painting, and this this was my my TV experience. I also watched a lot of cooking shows like The Frugal Gourmet and Yan Ken Cook. Martin Yan was the man, <laughs> like the only Japanese dude. I think he's Japanese? Forgive me if I get this shit wrong, but <laughs> he was like the original TV celebrity chef. You know, he had the first celebrity chef cookware line and shit like that. Of course, it was a walk. But, you know, I grew up watching it. My wife was like, what? No, this is dumb. What do you mean? It's Jan Can Cook. It's it's Mr. Rogers. It's, it's Sesame Street. How can you hate Big Bird? And I can understand it. believing that Elmo is annoying as fuck because nowadays Elmo is annoying as fuck. Yep. It's because they shove him down your throat. Elmo was totally like a sea level Muppet. Until Tickle Me Elmo came along. And then it became all about Elmo. It was totally the Kermit and Big Bird show up until then. And Burton Ernie. Nobody, nobody fucking nothing controversial about Sesame Street until the uh, people now. Leave Sesame Street alone. It is pure. Leave it the fuck alone. But I I will pull up Retro Sesame Street on YouTube for my boys to watch and they love it. And I will start singing along to, uh, you know, put down the ducky and, 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 and Grover and the Weba song and all of these things and, uh, fucking the Abkadefka for Stu and, and Kermit's alphabet in the swamp. And she will be giving me the worst dirty looks in the history of the world. <laughs> Oddly enough, she does like (laughs) Scooby-Doo.
1: That makes no sense to me at all.
0: For all of the sheltered, she shits all over children's programming, but she likes Scooby-Doo. She's one of those people. She doesn't like the commentary on stuff. She just wants to enjoy the thing. Like We watched the entire, was it the What's New Scooby-Doo?
1: That's one of them.
0: Yeah. We watched that entire series because she loved that. I don't know. (laughs) Because I, I was never a big Scooby-Doo fan. I watched it. I watched Pup Named Scooby-Doo because, you know, when I was a kid, that was Saturday morning cartoons, you know, but like I was never one of those like diehard Scooby people.
1: My wife is definitely a bigger Scooby-Doo fan than I am, um, mostly because one of us has to be. I mean, I love it. I love there's just such an interesting little dynamic between everybody. Like Shaggy is sitting there being scared of everything but also trying to stay with his friends and make sure they're safe and keep everything there fred is trying to be like patrick warburton high school quarterback guy in charge of everything but he's just so inept at doing it but he's just good enough to stumble into something that works most of the time
0: he thinks that he can do all the things. He honestly can't. He If he accomplishes something, it's totally by accident.
1: Oh, definitely. Or somebody else does it and he just takes the credit for it.
0: The day. Why? Because look at my ascot. I'm going to save the day. I'm going to protect you, Daphne. Dude, you're just as fucked as everybody else. <laughs> In all likelihood, Shaggy and Scooby are going to save the day because they're using critical thinking and saying, run the fuck away. <laughs>
1: Daphne is sitting there being, like, your damsel in distress, except she doesn't need to be, and she's not really doing that. It's just like, okay, I'll listen to Fred and go, but then I'm actually going to be the one put in danger, or I'm going to be the one who gets kidnapped, and I have to get myself out. Velma's being the smart one, going around solving all these mysteries and everything, getting to the bottom of all of this it's a much deeper show than people want to give it credit for.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I I don't hate Scooby. I was just never one of those crazy fans, but yeah, like I I could sit there and dissect Scooby as well. Cause yeah, it's got all of the, the surface level of Scooby-Doo is one whole, is one whole thing. But when you actually start looking at it, it's like, well, no, that's not what that is. This is completely different. And, you know, because I'm one of those dig into rabbit holes things, and you see a list of like, oh, 10 things you didn't know about Scooby Doo. And then the next thing you know, you find out that there's like controversy.
1: Like Casey Kasem at one point decided that if he was going to keep doing the voice of Shaggy, they needed to officially make him a vegetarian.
0: Then, like, if you didn't know that it was Casey Kasem, because you know Casey Kasem for his radio voice, and they're like, holy shit, that's Casey Kasem doing Shaggy. And then he did it for so long. But then that they kept up that whole vegetarian thing up until the most recent series and then they changed it and then a lot of people were all like what the fuck like no he's supposed to be like this like really does it really matter guys he's a cartoon character he's an ageless cartoon character people get so intense about these things these like really retro things and it sounds like i care but i can just argue really well (laughs)
1: No, I mean, one of the fun things for us is that we didn't start the show. Julie Kinn and Stephen Pappas did. And for various reasons, both of them had to stop doing it. And so Julie asked me if Kaylee and I would like to do it. And of course, I'm like, yeah, because I love the show and I love Scooby. So we're going to do it.
0: And we do it. And That's got to be some big shoes to fill, though, when there's like a pre-existing show. I know. And it's not like you guys didn't come in as like co-hosts and then they slowly like phased out. They basically, you guys basically just got handed the show, right?
1: Yeah, like I had done one guest spot or two guest spots before and it was just, it was a short little thing looking at the Super Nintendo Scooby-Doo game and it was a short little thing talking about if Scooby was actually just a human trapped in a dog's body.
0: That's so much darker than I would have ever thought. Oh,
1: I know, right? But I mean, in the whole canon of things, it doesn't really matter, but it's fun to go back and look at. And then all of a sudden, like if you didn't know what was going on, Julie comes on to the feed and like, oh, yeah, guess what? I'm not doing the show anymore. Chris and Kaylee are. You've heard Chris before. You've never heard Kaylee before. Have fun.
0: Yeah. And I know they've had the stuff with them because I almost took over his other show. Is this adulting? I actually almost took over as their editor until uh, somebody else volunteered to do it. and I started listening to the show. I started going through their catalog of guests. I'm like, holy shit, they had Cecil Baldwin on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: Oh man, I, I, I was going through listening to episodes of theirs with different guests. And I'm like, oh man. Like, I want to be your editor because I want to listen to these conversations because I want to listen to these people. But... <laughs>
1: And then maybe sneak some of them onto your show because hey, yeah. I just edited you up.
0: Yeah. I was like, I need an in. It's like I need a connection to somebody like Cecil Baldwin because fucking Cecil. But you know, I'm excited because my wife and I are gonna get to go to uh, another Welcome to Nightvale live show coming up in February or March. I'd have to look at my calendar to see when it is because we bought we buy those tickets whenever they like immediately go on sale. Because you have to. Yeah, I was like, tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. at 10.30. I've got my seats. That's what we did that for, for last year when they were out here. We did that this time.
1: I mean, you know the secret to getting these guests, though? You make a good show and you ask them. That's how I've gotten everybody. I have no connections to anybody. It's just, hey, you seem cool. I think I'd like to have you on my show. And for the most part, they say yes.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the cool thing though. It's like, really, unless you're trying to get Julia Roberts on your show, like in, in generally in the, the circles that we, we roll in, the people that we're going to want to talk to and we're going to want to invite on our shows aren't the kind of people that are going to be all snooty about it. There aren't going to be, there aren't going to be the ones where you've got to go through an agent and manager and, and PR person and all that. It's like, those aren't necessarily the people we, I want to talk to.
1: I am sitting on like three quarters of an email to Neil Gaiman's agent right now. (laughs) And. Oh, I need to clean that thing up because it's so full of, I understand you're super busy and reasons for them to tell me, no, I can't do it.
0: Yeah.
1: But okay. So when I look at it, there's Neil Gaiman and people like that. They are on a level where I'm going to ask them because I have to ask them. But if I never hear from them, or if they say no they can't do it i'm totally okay with it because i don't expect to get anything from that and quite frankly if i hear back from them i'm going to consider that a win
0: like i have an email back from neo gaiman's agent i will frame that on my wall yeah like i got a response they didn't just ignore me they formally declined that's cool <laughs> that was like when um when emily from the story behind she was at one point. She was going to do the story behind Africa by Toto, which she eventually did anyway. But she doesn't do guests. But she actually reached out to the management because it was right around the time that uh, Weezer had done their cover, and like they're all over the place. It's a lot of of press right now, and so she reached out to them to try and get one of the members—I forget who—to um, come on and talk about the the story behind the song It's like Africa by Toto it, it, because she's obsessed with the song. She loves it. My wife is too. It's unhealthy, but it's like, if you're in the story behind group on Facebook, there's literally an entire subculture of Africa by Toto memes. It's crazy.
1: I think the last good one I found was somebody playing it on through their car beeps somehow.
0: Yeah, I think the last thing that I saw. Oh, I, I remember seeing that one. Yeah, the last thing that I think somebody posted was that somebody installed a bunch of speakers in the middle of the African desert to perpetually play Africa by Toto. <laughs> I'm like, wow! So somewhere in Africa, there's a set of speakers playing Africa, and then because all of these things come up in my Facebook feed and Facebook spies and algorithms. I recently got a post from Nerdist. that's like five or six years old of apparently Dax Shepard and uh, Kristen Bell are covering Africa. I'm like, this is like five years old, but I've never seen it. <laughs> but they like covered it and did a whole video and everything. I'm like, Wow. I think that was around the time of Frozen. So she was getting kind of big at that point. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those like things get crazy. But don't even know how we got here. <laughs> Follow your dreams, people. Find
1: your dream guest. Ask them. Be polite, but don't be a stalker.
0: Yeah. Or be a stalker. And then they just, you know, say yes to get you to leave them the fuck alone. I know David, the producer from The Unridable Rant, did an entire like because they, he's managed to score some like major guests. And I look at the people that he's managed to get on there. I'm like, man. I hate you so much right now. I mean, he's gotten Eric Roberts and and Charlie Daniels, a bunch of comedians. And I know he said that he's reached out to a bunch of ex-presidents and has been trying to get just a former president to come on the show. And it's like the harshest shutdowns he's ever he gets is those because it's like, nope, you're formally being very aggressively shot down by those guys. But he's got a whole system. He's developed for doing that. He'll he'll tell you, but it's not from some of the ones I've seen and heard. I'm like, mm, yeah, that's not worth the headache for me. Sorry, I don't do a lot of guests on this show, And part because I'm terrible at at interviewing, and you know, remembering a, a a a series of thoughts. But when you interview interview somebody, you can't you can't really like free-form shit like this unless you're Chris Hardwick. Which is kind of what I go for with this of we're going to chalk, we're going to just whatever the hell, wherever we go. But <laughs> questions. My question is, who are you? Why should we care that you're here? Keyway.
1: <laughs> Three hours later.
0: What? What is the line from Guardians of the Galaxy? Nobody's 100% a dick.
1: No, like the only thing I don't like, like actively don't like about trying to find guests is that with the Internet, you can never tell if somebody is ignoring you because they just don't want to deal with it. Or if they haven't seen you trying to ask them.
0: That's an, that's especially with like celebrity people, too, because you at somebody on Twitter. How many hundred people, hundred, a 1, thousand people at Chrissy Teigen every day? Just use her as an example because she's like super Twitter active, or you know, the Kardashians. How many people at Kylie Jenner every day? They don't look at half of that shit, they can't. If they had to, that's a full time job. And I know a lot of them have you know, social media people that will sit there and observe their social media for them to you know, see what's what are people saying, unless you're Paris Hilton and apparently uh, TMZ has to show you a bunch of people that. She never realized how much people hated her until TMZ showed her a series of YouTube videos of how much people hate her. Yeah. But that was a funny video. It's like, wow, well, they just broke Paris Hilton. Holy shit! But you know, they've got they've got social media managers and stuff because if you know, if you're Kylie Jenner or Ariel Winter or or pick a random celebrity, Ashley Graham so many people are are tagging you and commenting on your stuff you've got hundreds of thousands of millions of followers you can't keep up with that you can't keep up with the people that are commenting on all your shit all the time and like there's there's one or two people that I follow that I look at like one of them is a kind of a someday I might ask this person to come on the show once I've worked through actual podcaster friends And it's like, hey, there's somebody I don't actually know directly that I I think I would reach out to that happens to actually be a a local person. But whenever she posts something, she's one of those people, she's kind of an Instagram model, but I follow her because of her YouTube channel and she's kind of a gaming nerd and does a lot of that sort of stuff. But whenever she posts stuff on Instagram and stuff like that, 99% of the comments are just commenting on her appearance and they're really like, do she like slimy guys and i'm just like i don't comment on her stuff unless it's something funny that she said or did in a youtube video or something she's australian again she lives out here now in phoenix and she did a youtube video of her going up north into the mountains and seeing snow for the first time in her life and you can see like as they're driving up she's getting all teary cuz she's never she's like in her 30s and has never seen snow and she's like starts crying And so I commented on that. I was like, I almost got teared up for you because this was so sweet. But like, that's the biggest like kind of person that I would ever reach out to. But whenever I see her comments, for the most part, if you look at the the comments, maybe the first two or three that people will comment on her stuff, she'll reply to. And beyond that, it's like next thing you know, there's 200 comments. Even the the good, you know, friendly, happy comments, it's like she doesn't reply to because you just get swarmed with them. So like I'm not gonna reach out to somebody big and like especially like that, it's like it's like kind of like your case is like I gotta email this person through appropriate channels and yeah, maybe if you reach out to somebody on social media or something, they might respond. they might see it, but when somebody is a a big get big air quotes, how do you know they are even ever going to see your thing? Maybe the person themselves like, oh, I wanted. Was was it you that recommended Kevin Smith? <laughs> it was. So reach out to Kevin Smith. Yeah. In my experience and what I've seen with people, Kevin Smith minus being really damn busy, that he's frequently very willing to do spots, and as I think it is a uh, afterburn seven thirty nine, actually have a bunch of sound drops. From them meeting Kevin Smith, and he recorded a bunch of stuff for their show, and so they've got Kevin Smith talking shit about their their different cast and stuff like that. And it's like you go out, you meet them. They're, he's totally willing to do stuff, especially with podcasters, and they, and I'm sure if he weren't so damn busy all the time, that he'd be willing to do a lot more appearances. But if you've got to reach out through appropriate channels, he's probably never going to get the message. Like management and agents and people like that and the gatekeepers, as they say, they're like, oh, there's like there's some dickhead in Phoenix. He doesn't it's like no.
1: Everybody talks about Twitter as being like getting rid of the gatekeepers, but a lot of the people that I want to get on have their DMs turned off on Twitter. So like I can yell into the Twitter void and hope that Chris Sims decides to come on my show and happens to see it and with all the other millions of people talk trying to talk to him. But, you know, who knows if he's going to see it, who knows if he's going to remember it because it's just some random tweet. It's not even sitting there in his inbox.
0: Exactly. Like, there's no knowing, are they going to see it or not? Even like whether it's appropriate channels or through the Twitter verse or wherever, It's like you never know. (laughs) I think we're going to take a break after all of this, whatever the fuck this was, (laughs) because welcome to the show, people. But I'm going to play some promos and we will be right back. We, one of the few times I can say we will be right back. And it's not like the Royal. We will be right back with this week's recommended listening. Chris's on infinite earths. Have you ever been reading through a sack of comics and
1: thought, maybe I should see what this Arkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage because you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode takes a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to the source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how these games work, or know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com, the Brain Trust Network, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
0: Hey, my name's Paul, and I'm not an animal expert.
1: I'm Donna, and I'm not an animal expert either.
0: And together we do a podcast about animals called Farmance.
1: Every week we pick an animal, do a bunch of research on it, and bring you some interesting facts about that animal.
0: But we don't stop there. We talk about that animal in movies, TV, and other pop culture.
1: And we talk about whether or not that animal would make a tasty dish, and how intelligent we think it is on the scale of 1 to 10. It's exactly like one of those fancy PBS nature documentaries... Except with more poo jokes. New episodes go live every Thursday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can visit us at (laughs) blazingcariboustudios.com. Varmints!
0: Varmints! (laughs) (laughs) Recommended listening.
1: (laughs) Hey, Christy, I had a few questions about a comic if you had a second.
2: Oh, sure. What comic?
1: Well, it's a big event crossover, Secret Wars.
2: Oh, that's a great one. Dr. Doom with godlike powers. No, that's not the one. Oh, you mean the older 1985 Secret Wars, where the heroes and villains have to fight for the Beyonder? No,
0: that's not it either. It's, um, newer than that.
2: Uh, maybe you mean Secret War, where the heroes try to overthrow Latveria.
0: What? No, this one has aliens.
2: Oh, Oh, I got it now. You mean secret invasion with the green aliens called the scroll? No,
0: no, no, the aliens weren't green.
2: <sighs> There's no way. You mean invasion? That isn't even by Marvel.
1: Look, we get it. Comic book crossovers are weird and confusing.
2: With complicated reading orders and lots of characters, even heroes no one has seen for years. But that's why we're here. We're Christy and Chris, and on our podcast, Chris's on Infinite Earths, we dive deep into the superhero world's big events and crossovers. We talk about improbable mountain lifting.
0: Superhero mommy issues.
2: Victorian space vampires. And we
1: always try to make it light and fun.
2: So join us Every other Friday on Chris's on Infinite Earths.
0: The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Chris's on Infinite Earths. This is Chris's pick, which seems really kind of funny. I don't know if you did that on purpose or not. I mean, it definitely wasn't a down point. (laughs) So, because this is your pick, I've been listening to the show... Tell our dear listener about your recommended listening pick for this week, month, today.
1: So Chris is on Infinite Earth is a relatively new show to me. But I mean, I've been talking to both of them for a while and they're just it's a wonderful couple who goes through and they look at comic book crossovers. And so, like, anytime there's a crossover between, like, Spider-Man and X-Men or Phalanx stuff where you have a bunch of different X-Books crossing over with each other or, I mean, pretty much anything is open game for it, they go and they look at the crossover. They kind of run you through what's going on plotline-wise, kind of analyze like why it's important to the greater comics universe. But mostly just have a whole lot of fun doing it. And it's a whole lot of fun to listen to. And like we were talking about earlier with our stuff, they managed to get some amazing guests too.
0: Yeah. And uh, from what I've been listening to, I'm like, you're getting legit people that are important in comics and comics writers and things like that. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I mean, it also when you when you do a show like that, it it kind of gives you some, some some a leg to stand on when it comes to hey, I do a show about this thing. You wrote one of these type of comics, or you were involved in this. You know, you want to come on and talk about it. But they get people. They get like, like I'm not a people, but they get people that are somebodies. And i was like, oh shit. And a lot of it is just, hey, we have this
1: show. We think you're cool. You want to come on? And it works. I mean, the comics community, the part of it that me and them have kind of wiggled ourselves into, more so them than me. But, I mean, it's just a really tight-knit, like, I want to help you out with stuff community. And, I mean, if you can help somebody out and, you know, go on their show and talk to them about this thing that you made to give them an insight on how you made it and stuff, you're going to do it.
0: And I I have noticed that is really a big thing with creatives. And I've heard this about authors and especially with people in comics and video games. They will go on your show because you are showing appreciation for this thing that they created. And they are fully willing to go out there and talk about the thing that they created. It's harder with musicians, I've noticed, or more with bigger musicians. With independent creators, it seems like if you're going to talk about the thing that I made... I will go and talk about the thing that I made with you and with like video games and with comics, it suddenly becomes a lot easier to get a yes because, Hey, you wrote this comic. You want to come on and tell me about it and tell my listeners the behind the scenes of this comic. And why did you kill that character? Why did you do this thing or that thing or whatever? And that's a really cool thing. And to be able to get that sort of insight is so crazy. And i like, man, I wish I talked about a thing. <laughs> I know, right? I just talk about me. I don't talk about shit. I, <laughs> like I talk about other podcasts and therefore I end up with other podcasters, which isn't a bad thing because you all know, people are awesome. I am proud to be a part of the club, but my show and this show has no incentive to reach out to uh, Neil Gaiman or to, I could reach out to Kevin Smith because Kevin Smith can spout bullshit as much as I can. I wouldn't get a yes. I cannot imagine getting a yes. If I ever did, holy fuck, I would probably actually pee myself. But I think probably with them, they get those names because not only are they talking about the thing that, Hey, you made this thing. Can you come on and talk about your thing? But they're niched down in comics. Because the fact that the entire show is based on crossovers. And unless you are buried in it, you don't realize there's that many crossovers. Even if you know all the crossovers are there too, it's like
1: it's almost impossible to be reading every single comic that's leading into that crossover. It's like I can be sitting there, read every single Spider-Man that's coming out, but there's no way I can read every single Spider-Man and every single X-Men thing to get ready for when they come together.
0: It's funny. You mentioned the phalanx thing because that was one of the episodes that you recommended to me to listen of theirs. And then like a week or two later, after I've listened to theirs, you covered it (laughs) and the X-Men are just like a giant crossover. It's like, Oh, Everybody interacts with Spider-Man and the X-Men. If you're in the, if you're in the Marvel universe somewhere, you interact with the, the Spider-Man and the X-Men. The fact that they have any ability of keeping track of all of this is amazing to me because, again, people don't think about it that much. You don't realize that there's that many crossovers of that many things, but they're pulling up even some of the, it's like maybe it's not a huge crossover. Maybe it's like the Spider-Verse stuff. There's so many what constitutes a crossover. That they, they get them all, man, and they dig into them and that they're multi-part episodes and they get into all of these things. And it's just, damn, <laughs> if you are into comics at all and you're really into comics, this is a cool show to listen to. It, it, you learn. And it's not just like a, you know doing a commentary, but it's, it's a commentary, but you're also, they go through the stats. Like the, hey, here's who was written by, here's who was inked by, you know, all of the details. Because the deep comic nerds want that information. The deep comic nerds recognize an art style from a particular person. They care. Like who inked this comic matters to the comic insider people that care. I have no clue. I I, I have a, a vague understanding of a handful of comic artists and writers, and most of them it's because they do other shit that gets them more credit. You know, I didn't know that. Kevin Smith also writes for Batman comics, uh, you know, considering his daughter's name is Harley Quinn. That's kind of a duh, but you know, stuff like I'm familiar with Todd McFarlane more for his toys and for spawn, but not realizing that he was one of the guys who created venom and things like that. And it's like, I know these because of their other big things that get a lot of attention. And then I find out the all the little things that they're part of. Well, the comic nerd people knew this stuff, and those, those little things matter. And oh, this one book in this series was written by a different person, and you can tell. I can't tell. I'm not that person. But the they get into that, and the, the yeah, this one book was a a different person worked on this that then worked on these other three books in this. This little mini series, I was like, "Oh, okay." But the comic nerdy people, the people that really care about those things, that's critical information that they get into, so that you know the guy like me who just I want to learn about the story, like, "Hey, what's going on with all this?" I get my part of it, and then the deep nerds get their part of it. So everybody gets a little piece of this, and you learn all of the ins and outs and the 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 crazies of of million fucking comic book crossovers that apparently exist out there and you learn more about the comics without having to read the comics
1: (laughs) you should definitely go read the comics because it's fun but there's no way you can read all of them this is my way around that
0: yeah like listening to you and listening to them are my way around reading it's like why read them when i can listen to other people tell me about them
1: there are tons of other comics podcasts I could have recommended too. So if anybody wants to hit me up, I can give you more
0: comics and video games. I think there are about as many comics and video games podcasts as there are video games, YouTube channels. Pretty much. Don't think that's much of a stretch. (laughs) Plus these two are just wonderful
1: people. So, I mean, it helps when you can enjoy something made by somebody that, it's just a good human.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And don't think that they only do Marvel stuff either. Like there is a 12 part, um, crisis on infinite earth series that they have, which is a big old DC event. I mean, if it's a crossover and it exists, it will happen. I'm going to try to get them to look at the iron man Exo man war stuff. Because I think that would be amazing. Or, where Batman crossed over with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Now, would Alien versus Predator comics technically count as a crossover? See, I don't know.
1: I know I've kind of had that issue for my show on, does it count as a comic first because it was to establish movie things? And I'm sitting here like, "Eh, I don't know. We'll see if anybody asks me if they can be on that episode, and then maybe we'll do it.
0: Godzilla versus Thor. Godzilla versus Thor? Yeah, why not? Because Godzilla had, I think I'm pretty sure Godzilla was Marvel. Godzilla has a Marvel comic series because I've seen it in listicles and things of Godzilla interacting with the Avengers. And, and so let's do that. There's a crossover. Why not? <laughs> Godzilla versus the Avengers. That's what they need to do when you need you need to reach out to them and say, hey, you guys need to do this Godzilla crossover with the Avengers thing when the new Godzilla comes out because I think King of the Monsters comes out right around the same time as Avengers Endgame, I think. It's
1: pretty close. Definitely close enough to where when I finish up with you, I'll tell them that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's This is it. You guys need to do this. Here I am. I am. I'm helping you with your show, giving you the ideas, the content that the people, mostly me, want, <laughs> because I'm weird. <laughs> I mean,
1: you only want it because it would be
0: amazing. It'd be a great promotional grab. Like, look, we got Avengers. We got Godzilla. Let's put them together because it happened. Because they talked about the Spider-Verse series, one of the Spider-Verse series, around the time that Into the Spider-Verse came out, the movie. So why not? It's a perfect movie tie-in. Get on it, you guys. (laughs) I bet those would be really hard comics to find now.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's the joy of these old comics, too, because you've got Marvel Unlimited and Comixology and plenty of other places where you can get them online totally legally. Totally legally. Totally. And of course, the other way, too. But I'd like to see creators get paid for their work.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that
1: is... It's Chris's with a C-H, just like my name. Multiple Chris's, multiple Earth's. And if you try to search for it in Google, it tries to tell you that you're looking for crisis on infinite earths, which is wrong. You just have to tell Google to trust you. you know what you're doing.
0: Yep. But you can find them at co. That's C-O. Of course, links in the show notes because when looking at it in print, it's difficult to spell. But again, send the show notes. And of course, you can find them, Chris's on Infinite Earth on the Twitter. Reach out to them. Check out the show. If you are at all into comic stuff, it's just a fun show because you're, you're learning. And again, if you're like me and you don't have the time to read these things, but you really dig the stories, because I'm, I'm, I'm totally into stories, but I don't have the time to read a lot of stories. That's why I listen to a lot of podcasts. Listen to this podcast. If you like comics and weird crossover stories, check them out. It's fun. Chris is on infiniteearths.podient.co at Chris's Pod. But that is going to do it for this week. Thank you, Chris, for coming on. Before I do my shiz, tell the fun people Where they can find you.
1: Well, if you want to hear me talk about Scooby-Doo, you can head over to BedlingKidsPod.com. We're just about ready to get that going again. We had some work issues, and that one actually gets a lot more behind-the-scenes work done for it. If you want to hear me talk about comics and video games, you can go head on over to PlayComics.com. That one is back up going from its little christmas break already. And there are some very big things coming up on that one. Hopefully. I haven't quite gotten all the interviews confirmed yet, but if everything goes the way I think it's going to, I am probably going to wet my pants.
0: I heard a rumor that a particular uh, scorpion-munching podcaster might be coming back on.
1: That is 99% confirmed. As long as we can work around both of our weird schedules, which have changed up a little bit lately, that will be happening.
0: I am looking forward to that one. And if you want to find out who this is, you need to subscribe to Play Comics and check out Meddling Kids if you're a Scooby-Doo person or not and you just want to learn more about it. Hell, it's Scooby-Doo. Why not? Of course, I will have links to all of this stuff again in the show notes at odddadoutpodcast.com. You can follow me at Out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. And until next week, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on, and good night.